0: I mean, I've received letters that were really, really out of, out of line. You know, like you're a disgrace to the university. Why don't you just leave town and, you know, things like just people that were. I had one guy and I saved that one. I kept a lot of them and I threw them away because I said, why am I keeping these things? I don't even want to, you know, I said, well, if I write a book, maybe I said, no, I'm not even going to do that, you know, put them in the book. Well, this guy, he signed his name and he, he, was a, he had a roofing company up in Sioux City. I, didn't, I never wrote back to anybody. You know, I just forget, to just don't create something. But I saved it and, and, and that's the exact words he said, you're a disgrace to the university, why don't you just leave and take your family with you or some really dumb stuff. It was, so then we win a national championship okay So I get this letter, this beautiful letter written how wonderful, what a great job. I'm doing all this stuff like that and I look and it's the same stationery. How many years later? Oh it's, it's, who knows? I mean it, probably five And uh, so I did I, I said I gotta do something. I thought I stated both of the letters, the one that said I was a disgrace and the one that was, what a wonderful job, you know, all of this stuff. So I said, you know, I got, so far I've gotten two letters from you and I'm, I'm sending this other one and I really want to know for sure, which one do you really mean? <laughs> That's, I never heard from him again and that was the end of it.
1: Welcome to Where I Come From, a podcast devoted to Nebraska sports figures and the life experiences that shaped them. This week's guest is legendary Nebraska defensive coordinator Charlie McBride. We talked about his childhood on the south side of Chicago, his connections to Woody Hayes and Mike Webster, his transformation from an offensive line coach at Wisconsin to a defensive line coach at Nebraska, McBride's theory on what turned the tide in Husker bowl games, how Danny Nee ruined his recruitment of Donovan McNabb, and giving Phil Fulmer his playbook before the 98 Orange Bowl.
0: So he comes across the field. I don't know whether he shake hands with John or not, but he came right at me and he has his hand out. He says, McBride, I want to tell you one thing. You are as dumb as your old man was. <laughs> We got about five steps out the door. He says, I don't want you to ever call that kid again. And Missouri gave him a car. And his dad a job. Right there, he just tackled somebody. He said, Coach, can I have that towel? Throw me that towel. So he threw him the towel. He started waving. He says, we're done. He said, we give up.
1: <laughs> this is where I come from.
0: How'd you get the Nebraska job? <laughs> I don't know. I I never really sat down and asked Tom how he found out about, I mean... Well, what happened? You know, what happened, which is really interesting. This is January, January This this was a year before, and I was watching, I came home, we had just had a game, and we came home, and I was watching the end of the Nebraska-Oklahoma game. 76. And Nebraska, no. 75. No, it would be seventy-six. Yeah. Here, no, it'd be 75. Yeah. And I think Oklahoma won with Flea Flicker, did some weird stuff. And for some reason, you know, I had no, heard about Tom. I said to my wife, I went in the kitchen, you know, someday I'd like to work for that guy. Really? Yeah. Why did you, why did you say You're, that? I don't know. I just did. I thought I had a good feeling that he was the kind of coach I want to work for, and John was going to retire, our head coach, he had. He had a heart transplant and and died since, right afterwards, a couple years. But so I left, I went, never thought much about it. Went to Miami, took my wife to the convention and uh, we were sitting up in the room at 315, room 315. I get a phone call and I answered and he said, um, he said, this is Coach Osborne calling that's the way he goes. I went, right. <laughs> and Thomas, you know, he gets on the phone. He's so quiet, and, you know. No, he said, this is Coach Osborne, and I I have a defensive line job open, and uh, and I, I'd like to talk to you. And I it tell me I thought it was one of my buddies, you know, calling, screwing around with me. So I said, no, who is this? He said, no, this is Coach Osborne. I, you know, and he, was, he said, and I'm right downstairs in room 315, right below you. You're in 315. Yeah, we're in 3, he was in 215. So I went downstairs and he said, I have 15 minutes and then I have another interview. Well, I walked in there and we talked for 15 minutes and all of a sudden he said, um, I, I told him my wife was here and he said, would you be interested in having dinner tonight with me? I said sure, and so he said I have to recruit. I'll meet you at the front door of the mm-hmm. hotel there at eight o'clock. So we went, we went down there, and of course, when, and you don't know what a coaching convention's like. Where's it, it at? At my Mi- in Miami. Miami. Yeah. And so <laughs> Debbie and I went down there, and I mean, when you go, when I went to town, it was like wildfire going through the place. You know what I mean? They, they, I mean, everybody, that guy's getting that job. Everybody, you know, they're just like a bunch of old ladies. <laughs> and, G- gossip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. So we're out there, and, you know, he, he's standing there. He, I think he had a briefcase with him, and um, he said, um, where would you like to go eat? And I'm thinking, what? I didn't know what to say. I looked down. There's, I said, why don't we just go to Denny's? It was it was the only sign I saw. Okay, so we went there. I don't think we ate. Debbie said we drew X's and O's on napkins. And and Van Zant was the coach. And from what I heard later, I mean, I think Lance might have told me later that Tom had told him that he could hire whoever he wants. Van Van Zant doesn't know me from a load of manure. And so. Tom gets up and he said, Well, do you want the job? <laughs> I, go, I Holy.
1: But it's not an offensive coordinator. No. It's just D line. Yeah. And you were coordinator at Wisconsin.
0: Right. And I felt, well, the money was about twice as much. Oh, really? Yeah. And there was a chance that Van Zandt had a, had a reputation for going here and here and here. But he was a big good friend of Bum Phillips, you know, and and, and Wade. are re- really good friends with him. So, you know, I was I came here, and until he, and Lance eventually went down to the the Saints with Bum Phillips. Now and, wait a second.
1: Did you remember take, Did you take the job on the spot?
0: No, I said. I said yes. I told him I would take the job. He said, and this is what he said. He said, Well, I'll call you. Are you going home? Yeah. And he said, I'll call you at 10:30 on Saturday because I'll, I'll present it to the Board of Regents and I'll know at 10.30 that they clear you. He said, It'll be done. He said, I just have to do it that way. And then I can call you and say everything's been cleared and so on and so forth. And I said, well, coach, do me a favor. We Don't tell anybody, okay? Because I have to call my head coach first. I don't want to, to hear it from somebody else. So I called John and he was pretty, it was hard, both of us. I mean, it was hard on both of us. We had been a really, Good friends, and he hired a guy from my place, uh, who uh, Pat Naughton, who had retired. He was at Northwestern, a great guy, and he took the job for a year, and then and t- John retired. He had a heart transplant, and he, so that was, you know, and he understood. I mean, there was no, you know, but but I had stayed with him for that time, and you know, it was it was it was hard, but. The thing that was interesting, I went home, and my one son, the youngest one, is a hockey player. Hey, hockey nut. He's the young guy. He's the little one, but he goes out and plays with the older guys. I mean, he's like, they go out at night in a farm, and they have a big, these guys would build these ice rinks, these farmers, these kids, and let them light it up, and they'd play all night. We'd have to go get them. I mean, this guy's like 10 years old. I, I got to go get this guy out of here, <laughs> you know, and they... And when I first went out there, he didn't even know how to skate. They said, we we don't care. He'll learn. Shove him out on the ice. I went. I left. Next time I see him, he can skate backwards better than frontwards, and he's a goalie. And, and so, now, you're, now so, you're taking him someplace where they don't so, have ice hockey. So, I, yeah. Well, Tom said they had it, hockey here. And they do have it in Omaha. I'm, I drive 45 miles every time you practice. That's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, well, he's still mad at me, okay? <laughs> I mean, that's not funny. He was, I mean, he was into it now. The good thing about it, well, what ha- let me finish the story. What happened was, I, here I got these three boys. Now, my middle son should have been a sports information guy. He knew everything. He knew who gained how many yards, what batting average this guy had, everything else, what his number was. I sit and watch a basketball game, now with him, you know, when I'm in once in a while, and I'll say where'd that guy go to school? Oh, he went to DePaul, or he went this way. He he knows, you know, where everything (laughs) So we always thought he should have been a, you know, something to do with sports and and stuff like that. Well, he's the middle son and a quiet one and Mike was the oldest guy; he was a good baseball player, and Jeff was a basketball player, and David the Young was a football player. It was funny. I said, "Guys, we're gonna move." Oh, they didn't say anything. You know I said, "We're gonna go to the University of Nebraska and say a word and the Jeff jumps up one time he says, "All right, we'll be number one." <laughs> That's what he said. And so everybody well said okay. So we ended up, you know, going, and they all went to southeast, and you know, they all went to Irving Junior High, and you know, the whole deal. In fact, my son Mike, Frank Solich rec- well, coached my oldest son when he came here.
1: It was hard. For, you had a bullseye on your back sometimes, though.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, really? It was. I said, I, my life was. There's no thank you defense around here. It's always either do it or hit the bricks. I had a guy that used to send me stuff every week on how to play our defense, what we should do, move this guy over here. I mean, one time he had 13 guys on the field. <coughs> and, and he'd always put, no, I didn't know it was, I, all of a sudden I realized, hey, the addresses, the return address is different, okay? But the envelopes are the same kind. And he'd sign all these by some fictitious name. And so the first one I got, okay, I sent, I figured, well, he might've put his address down there. I mean, his real one. Right. So I took it down to Joni. We put it in a nice Manila envelope and put his name on it. sent them back, and, I, and I've and said something really nice. I said, listen, I really appreciate all you've done for our football team, <laughs> you know? And I think this guy finally says, this guy isn't so dumb after all. I mean, you know, he, you know and I never heard another word. Uh, it didn't come back. So I figured the first one used that address.
1: First one was real.
0: Yeah. Why'd you keep this stuff? Huh? Why'd you keep this stuff? I kept it just for fun. I don't have it anymore. I'm going through stuff right now that I had, and I might have some of it. Some of it, I had some foul stuff. Right. Were they
1: hard on your kids?
0: Jim Rose said on the radio that I should be fired. My son Mike went to school with him. He was down at the station, got a kick. In. I never worried about them saying anything to my boys. <laughs> They're going to pay the price.
1: I mean, I'm telling you. You're from Chicago. Uh, what part of Chicago?
0: Well, yeah. Wilbon and I are buddies. Oh, yeah? We're both from the south side. but We lived out. Okay. Basically, if you were there, you'd probably say on the far south side. 118th Street is out of... The end of Chicago, South of Chicago, one hundred fifteenth, one hundred eighteenth. I can't remember exactly what it is, and we lived at ninety uh, fourth Street, ninety fourth, and then moved to ninety sixth. My dad lived within two blocks of his in his whole life, same area. I mean, it's, Chicago people are different. The old timers are.
1: It was a was it a prototypical South Side Chicago neighborhood?
0: No, yeah, you know, it was a saved neighborhood. What's that mean? Well, the, all the policemen and firemen had to live in the city limits. So Mayor Daley at the time, I think he tried to put the wall around that thing so they didn't have to move out because there was a lot of movement of the south from the inner city moving south. And it's still, it's that's a thriving neighborhood. My dad was an abrasive salesman and he worked a lot in the steel mills. They would they forged steel like tractor discs and things. And then they use grinding wheels to grind the steel off of them. And that's pretty big business. I mean, big He was grinding. a salesman. Yeah. And uh, then he worked at the end, he retired from there and he worked for a glue company for the rest of his time. And they actually took care of my mom uh, after he passed away. They took care of his father's insurance until she passed away. So what does your mom do? A, she's just a housewife. How many kids? Three boys. Three boys. Yeah, and then I had three boys. Did uh, what was your dad like? My dad was he was a swimmer in high school. Uh, he went to Denison University, and for two years he lived with uh, Woody Hayes, who was you know the head coach at Ohio State at one time. <laughs> your dad lived with Woody Hayes. Yeah, well, they were both in the same. You know, they what happened was they they lived when they first went there. They lived together. You know, then they joined a fraternity. And then he, one went, 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 I don't know, my dad went to one and Woody went to the other, And but they were really close friends. I mean, when I was coaching at Wisconsin and we'd, he'd come down and play, my folks were, you know, spent time with him, you know, there. Who
1: were your, uh, was, your was your dad the major influence in, in your life
0: Probably as not. a kid? Probably not. I think probably was. my mom was. Mom. Yeah. Well, my dad was working all all the time, and so you know all of the games that I we started playing organized football across the street, YMCA, in the park across the street from us. We were lucky. I grew up in a, across from city park. I was over there playing baseball every day, and you know, every time at night it was Charlie get home for dinner. Okay, I'll be home in a minute.
1: (laughs) Sounds (laughs) sounds like a pretty good childhood.
0: Yeah, I did. I had a good childhood. So she was always at the game. She was at the field days they had over there, and she was she was an athlete in high school. She's a good athlete. She was track and captain of the girls' basketball team and stuff. And she was, you know, she was she would give our boys, my boys, a lesson in horse and basketball. (laughs) The high school I went to, my dad went. Too, was and it was really a good high school in fact at one time it was the only integrated high school in Chicago really yeah and the great neighborhoods and we all it was really good we had good players and we had we were a small school uh, I think my graduating class was about 80 but the normal size I graduated mid-semester but the normal size about 120. And um, and they, they they just won the state championship in basketball and uh, stuff and they, and they they're pretty good athletic but it's it's an all black school now.
1: What what's the high school name now?
0: Morgan Park. Morgan Park. Yeah, but it's it's still still the same neighborhood and everything. It's just changed. You know, it's changed a lot. But um, but it was it was the, I had some teachers that my dad had. And, and, and uh which was interesting and um, you know it would always be you're not like your father are you (laughs) (laughs) so i never did answer that question so because i didn't know but i knew you know my mom was from cincinnati ohio which actually is another wyoming ohio is the part like redding or lachland or you know they're just parts around cincinnati and she lived she lived there and um I uh, I think they probably met at Denison. My mom went to two years, I think, to Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati, and then and then she moved up to, I don't know where. You know, I I always thought they met each other at Denison, and I think maybe she went from Cincinnati and just went to school up there, which wasn't that far from us. And uh, I think that's where they met and they got married and whatever.
1: So, what are your? Uh your the most important athletic memories of, of growing up were were what
0: well probably in baseball would be Nick Etten uh, was our what, was our all-star coach in our, on our our uh, I mean our little league team and Al Hall was the other guy Nick Etten led the American League in home runs and runs batted in I think home runs in 44 for the Yankees really yeah his son was a good football player and actually played fullback at Notre Dame. Ed Hall was with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was a shortstop. I think, I don't know that he played in the big leagues, but I know that he played in Triple A. These guys are coaching you? Yeah, little league coaches. And they treated us just like we were. <laughs> I mean, it was, if you didn't have your shoes shined, and I mean, you, you're you not even c- coming to the game. You won't even <laughs> play. I mean, it was, they, they treated us just, I mean, it wasn't like, easy stuff you know we had been through the you know the little league and then the pony league and all that stuff but you know we had some you know we had some pretty good kids uh, tommy Goverville was the first baseman first in one team and he was an all-american tight end at notre dame he's an orthopedic surgeon in florida now and he's retired but he's just, just retired you know and there's we had a lot of good baseball players so you, know. you
1: grew up around great athletes i
0: i could have signed a I, it was funny. Uh, the White Sox tried to sign me to a five hundred dollar rookie league contract. <laughs> my dad said, "Uh, uh, you you got a full scholarship. You're going to college, <laughs> you know." And it was he was right. I didn't. I didn't. You know, baseball was was probably probably my better sport, really.
1: How did Colorado find you?
0: Uh, actually, they were recruiting our center. Uh, Chuck Rylander, and then, and I had been to Wisconsin. I'd been to Purdue. I'd been to uh, uh, Iowa. I had been to Michigan State, and I was going. Uh, I, there was I was going to Northwestern. I didn't go, but that was a school. It, it was either going to be Iowa or Northwestern. I mean, I felt that way. Well, then this Chuck Rhinelander the coaches came and was talking to my coach. Well, they got his picture out of the paper. We both were like all area teams. You know, the all state team was crazy. It was all state in this section and all state, you know, and all that stuff. But ours was an all area team, which was all uh, took in the whole city, uh, the outside Chicago and around it. And we were both there and Chuck was 250. And I was about 185, about six one and. Yeah, you know, just a little guy, you know. I mean, they're looking for some linemen, you know, going to Chicago. And they, Colorado, quite a few guys come out of Chicago that were linemen and tight ends and stuff like that. Well, I ran in the, we had, we had a, a track meet, we had a track team, there were four guys. I was one of them. <laughs> we had the relay team. Your whole team was four guys? Four guys, yeah. And so I ran the 100 and the 220, and I was faster than all of those guys, so they ran in all the other stuff, the, uh, the hurdles, and that, we practiced in the hallways at the high school in the wintertime. <laughs> and then we played baseball. When there was a track meet, we left the baseball team for the day and went got our gyms. We, I ran in baseball shoes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any track shoes. I didn't even know there was such a thing, because a city school doesn't have much. We don't, I mean, when we had football practice, we came, and the first, the grass would be up to your knees, okay, first of all. <laughs> now you'd have to go through the whole back of the schoolyard and pick up the glass and all the stuff that they, you know, because during the summer, people would throw stuff over the fence and break it. And So we picked up, we all started, the whole team, and we lined up and go right through the place, pick up all the glass and the rocks and all that stuff. The problem was, there was a big manhole cover out there, and there's a my my I have an elbow that's a, fell on it, and just blew the cap, blew the end of it off of it, and I never did anything about it. I, those days, you'd go. I broke my hand one day, and my high school coach was probably the guy that I, you know, I mean, I if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be probably wouldn't even been coaching or anything. Why? Well, because the way he treated us, I thought I, you know, I felt he was hard. He was a tough guy. And uh, my dad used to laugh. He said I came, he'd come down to practice just to watch him kick my tail. <laughs> so, yeah. but he was, he was. Uh, you, when he said something, you'd know it. My brother is younger than me, three years younger, and he's Butkus's age. He, I, I didn't play against him, but he did. And so, but it, you know, it's it's a lot of tradition back there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's old high school stuff. The Catholic League would have 10 coaches and we would have two, <laughs> <laughs> you know. You had to be a certified teacher in the Catholic League. They got all volunteers coming off A lot of pro players that lived down there and went to the high schools. So they, they really had some good teams and-
1: How did Colorado get you? You said you were- Well, well I
0: went out there and, and pff, never saw a mountain before. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Chuck was gonna go there. I mean, he decided, and I, I liked it enough. Well, it was right at mid-semester, we couldn't fool around. You know, you make, make up your mind and go. So I made up my mind to go because it was, a, it was actually, well, Northwestern was a smaller school and Iowa wasn't the biggest one, but I kind of was leaned toward it. There 10,000 students and 11,000 people in Boulder. And they had, we had a great class. I mean, really had a good class. We won the Big A Championship, played in the Orange Bowl.
1: What was your first memory of Nebraska? Or, you know, your, your first Probably your, your introduction to Nebraska?
0: Well, we beat Nebraska here seven and nothing my senior year in the mud. It was terrible. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, you couldn't tell who was on whose team in the film, it was so muddy, it was a joke. It was. It had a big snowstorm and it turned to, you know, it was bad. And we un- went at the game. And from that day on, Nebraska um, never lost to Colorado for 25 years or so. And I was coaching here when we did lose the Colorado.
1: So your last game was 61.
0: My last game was 61. Here.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. The lowest point for Nebraska. And-
0: <laughs> well, yeah. But- but then they I don't think I think it was twenty some years before they be, you know, yeah, Colorado 80, beat six yeah. and, and I was coaching here when that happened, so it's on both ends of it. <laughs> but our coaches were different. Okay. I mean they they were still young and they still I was standing next to our backfield coach and our head coach was standing next to him. The next thing I looked is he was laying on the ground. I thought <laughs> what he just died my well, head coach apparently punched him in the stomach and somebody heard him and he said he said don't be telling me what to do and he whacked him <laughs> the guy's laying on the ground and i mean that they i mean they were didn't fool around and so but we had we had a good team and he was he got uh, you know it's really funny cuz uh, all the young guys that came in were coming in from detroit and, you know and stuff like that and they were apparently, some of the guys from Chicago, two of them, Mike Boland, Jerry Stazio. We found out, my roommate, and I Mel Semenko, he's from Jeanette, Pennsylvania, found out they were getting $88 to fly home and back. Mm. So we, we decided, you know, we weren't getting anything. And, and, you know, in those days, Oklahoma, everybody was doing crazy stuff. But we didn't. We never. They never. We never, ever were given any any kind of incentive like that, or you know. But we did get into our senior year and started thinking. You know what? So, I said to those guys, Jerry. I said to Stasio and, and Mike Bolin, I said, Why don't you guys see? They didn't know. They think no. We knew it. So they. So I just said, Why don't you ride home with us? You know, we'll just drive. You can drive with us. Well, so both of them are thinking, I know what they were thinking. Hey, we can bank 88 bucks and, you know, we'll ride with them. Smeko stops the car. He said, stop the car. We're in the middle of Kansas. He gets out and he's a big weight And he had a dumbbell. and He had, took all the weights off the end and just hit the pipe. And he said, give us the money. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think they, I, I don't even remember exactly what happened. But, you know, I didn't get any. But, I mean, it was, they knew. I think they ended up giving Mel some money for gas or something, I think. we.
1: Did you get a chance with the Broncos?
0: Yeah. But I, they drained my knee so many times, they told me that it's not a good idea to keep doing this. But they were only taking it off the top. They just stick you every day almost. That's got to be you know, who knows when this is gonna happen. So I was actually, Lionel Taylor was the starting split end, and, and he, was, uh, also, he was also a kicker, and I, so I was kind of his backup. And um, And then they had 300 guys go through the camp because it was only the second year of the Broncos. I mean, they're bringing everybody that, if you breathe, they're going. And I I have to laugh, I probably still have my contract. In fact, I do someplace, but when we moved, I don't know where all that stuff is. I had a, my contract was $9,000 and I had got a $1,500 bonus. (laughs) I mean, it was big money. How long were you in the NFL? About six months it just got to a point where they, they just came and said, look, it, you can, you know, it, we just have to let you go. I mean, this is stupid, you know. I mean, I could still run, I could still do the things, but I, you know, I was still, so nothing ever happened, okay? So what that's, no. So I went, I coached with it. You know, I could run and do things, but it was, it just didn't, function how did
1: you know you wanted a coach
0: how long how did you I, know,
1: how did you know you wanted a coach I,
0: I just wanted to be like my high school coach you know I mean he was the one I just the way he was uh, he was he was just he has a special person in my life and uh, I mean he he did he was a straight shooter straightforward hard nose he brought me up, I was with the freshman, and he brought me up to play safety in Soldier's Field in a playoff game. And we played Lindblom High School. <laughs> you know, all, here I am, all these guys are the varsity guys. I don't like them. My eyes are like, Pff. you know, I'm scared to death. You know, I, could, I never forget, I thought, oh God, it's, I got to go do it. He said, don't, just play deep. Don't worry about it. Just play deep. Everybody else will take care of stuff. Break up the ball and be sure you try to knock the ball out, and doing all those things. He said that there there is an a player that plays end on their team. You got to you got to keep an eye on him. His name's Jim Gibbons. Well, he played I don't know how many years for Detroit, <laughs> and so all of a sudden, young defensive backs are always looking in the backfield. So the ball snapped and I'm looking in the backfield and this and the guy ran right by me. <laughs> And I came off the field, and I said, boy, am I going to get it now? He didn't, you know, he said, well, every, we didn't win the game. They oh, scored. yeah. Okay. We didn't win the game. And and But, you know, nobody said any anything different. Nobody was, you know. And all the older guys actually were, you know, fine. I mean, it was, you know, I, they knew I was, never even practiced hardly with them.
1: You had a pretty big moment in your career, uh at uh, Wisconsin, 1976, when the, the head coach fires the defensive coordinator and the D-line coach.
0: Right. So, well, what happened is is he, I don't think John fired him. I think that the, Elroy Hirsch fired him. Elroy Hurst was our athletic director. <coughs> and uh, I think Elroy, through the alumni, I think he got pushed a little bit there. And, and John was pretty upset about it, but it was the way it is. You, your AD says the guy's gone, he's gone. So I'm sitting in there in the office one day, just minding my own business. It was kind of off season. We didn't have as much work to do as they do here nowadays because of the, uh, you know, the press and all the recruiting, the way they recruit. So uh, we ended up, uh, uh, I was sitting in there and the secretary comes in and says, Coach Jardine wants to see you right away. And I'm going like, oh boy, here we go. You, know. <laughs> you, think, I, I, you
1: think you're going to get fired too well,
0: no I, I, I didn't know you know I didn't know he said Charlie we're going to make you the defensive line coach and the defensive coordinator he said you got good coaches to work with you to help you but I want you to be the coordinator and we <laughs> we, uh, we went to Ohio State year before that and I walked out on the field, and it was cold. And Woody yells at me, hey, McBride, are you as dumb as your old man was? And I just went, hey, coach, how are you? You know, I'm going to keep walking. So we got, they kicked off to us, and we scored in three plays, and Woody went haywire on the sideline. And I told John, I think we made him mad, coach. <laughs> well, we got beat 56-7. to <laughs> So he comes across the field. I don't know whether he shake hands with John or not, but he came right at me and he has hand out. And he says, "McBride, I want to tell you one thing. You are as dumb as your old man was." <laughs> I mean, that's that was Woody, though. I mean, that, and then he'd get at the convention and I'd be his long lost friend. He'd be walking with my his arm around me and you know and all this stuff. And He was, uh, you know, he was piece of work. But how did you
1: make the transition to defense?
0: Easy. I I, I play against... Defense and offense are pretty much the same. And the good thing about what I could do was I could um, emulate everything the offensive line technique-wise and teach them exactly what's going to happen to them. You know, you get some guys that don't have a clue. They just line you up and he's going to play here and this this stuff. You knew how to teach what their opponent was gonna do. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. And then John, you know, John said to me, he said, I, I want you to be the coordinator because you can get guys to play. And was, that,
1: was that your strength, you think?
0: Yeah, it might have been, you know, I don't know. Motivation? Probably it was Probably it was one of my better parts. I think t- fundamentally and motivationally, probably there are two best things that I did you know, I was a pretty good recruiter. I don't know that I was a world beater, but I got some a lot of good players. But, you know, I, I never classified guys as good. I, we had guys that would go places and uh, get one kid. Next year they get five, six, you know. And so it, it's, it it goes in cycles and stuff in recruiting. But, anyway, we... Um, so you did a year... I of- had I had some my offensive linemen. I had some big timers. I mean... At Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Dennis Lick was the first player picked in the draft by the Bears. I think he was picked number two by the Bears. And I recruited him out of St. Rita in Chicago, along with Billy Merrick, who was a white kid that uh, ended up being the eighth leading rusher in the history of college football at one time. And then at Wisconsin, he was the leading rusher. And then a big back that they had a few years later who played, took that over. And he was from St. Rita also. And then Joey Norwick was from St. Rita, the center. But I had, uh, on one line, I had uh, Dennis Lick. I had Terry Steve at guard, who played, he was captain of the Cardinals at one time. And Mike Webster was our center. And the movie Concussion is, is about Mike. Right. It's pretty sad, right?
1: I, what was Mike Webster like in college?
0: Mike was a probably the best leader of, God, of, of people that, I mean, he what he said, that he was so tough, so good. His dad was an alcoholic. His mother left him. His brother was in prison, and he lived up in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and it, he was self-made. Hmm. Uh, we had him a guard as a freshman when he came in, and I said, Mike, we're going to send you home, and we're going to make a center out of you. I want you to learn to snap the ball. So he spent two or three days with me, we were down on the field. He spent a couple hours a day snapping the ball, showing away. So I gave him a bag of five balls to take back. I said, what you do is get yourself 15 yards, the ball 15 yards away and put a tire waist high and snap the ball into the tire. Then move it over and put it down, you know, so you're about two feet off the ground, and you want to snap it in there for extra points, seven yards. He came back, and we—he came back and he had the balls in the bag. He brought him to my office. And says, "Coach, here are the balls." Oh, okay, Mike, thanks, and all this stuff. And I went and looked at him, and at each end of the balls, the leather was wore out, both ends, of <laughs> all the balls, five of them. He i mean, this guy snapped the ball like you couldn't believe, and the kids, you know, fingers fingers this big around. I mean, he can grab you, you were screwed, you know. <laughs> but he was tough as nails. Uh, I The first time I had contact on him, he just got beat in uh, state finals, not the state finals, in the semifinals in wrestling. And he was no question gonna be state champ. And it was one of those deals where, you know, he zigged and shoulda zagged and he got beat. And he was tears in his eyes and boy, he was, I knew then, this guy's gonna, I thought he was gonna jump and try to find the guy, (laughs) jump up, but he was a big time competitor. And I said to Mike, I got mad at him a little bit one day, I said, Mike, you gotta be the leader of this offensive line. I said, and one way you can do it is we always tell you to do what when the huddle's broke? He said, sprint to the line of scrimmage. I said, how many guys are doing that now? No, we're not going, I said, then you do it every time. And he did it for 17 years in the NFL. Hmm. Pissed everybody off. he did get mad because, Mike, slow down. He'd go, he'd go, yeah, he'd turn around. He didn't care what anybody says. We're going, let's go, you know. And he he had a great career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then in those days, uh, he had Joe Green and uh, the other kid was, um, what's his name Greenwood something like that uh, they had about three guys and they would their technique was to butt the offensive lineman in the head what you know butt him you come off the line and, and butt him because you know you get hit you kind of lose your faculties you a little bit and I think I, I think Mike probably through all the years of practicing and against these guys and doing all this stuff I went to his last game. He called Debbie and I up and said, "Come on down. You got to, you got to be here for my last game."
1: How, how many years were you here before you became defensive coordinator?
0: I think I was here five. I, I, I was actually the coordinator. They say 18, but I was really 19 because Tom didn't appoint anybody, and there was a reason. And probably not. You know, there was there was a reason he had that he he felt like somebody else was here, and he didn't want to you know, at that time wasn't sure that he wanted Seniority, to do huh? So we went, I did everything. I mean, I ran the meetings and, you know, I mean, he basically told me, but next year he just said, I announced it. What was the biggest influence on your coaching style? Well, I had everybody was different. And the one thing I learned is, is that in coaching, be yourself. Don't, don't try to be somebody or not. So I had my own style. <laughs> which was probably a little dangerous but um but I mean you know I was the one thing I believed in was being honest with the players if they to tell them to do something and try to my, my in short my philosophy basically is make them better than they thought they could be and uh you know I was I'm a type A and uh so everything has to be you know perfect <laughs> And so we did a lot of we did a lot of stuff. We had a lot of guys that went in the pro Bowl and they, you know they, they come back and they'll say you know their coaches can't believe we did they, we knew how to do some of the stuff that they, they have to do. And I I'm surprised. I've been around to coaching, watch coaches coach in different schools. Jeez, they don't have a clue some of them. What do you mean? Well, they don't have technique wise. They you know they line them up and they they have their own ways. But I just, some of them, it just doesn't seem like a lot of times they have the enthusiasm that really makes the players push himself. You know, you could push a player if you want to, but I, I didn't believe really, I, I pushed them. You know, I used to tell him I was uh, patient. I mean, that's the way I was, I was patient. But I didn't tell him I was patient. So I got on them pretty good at times, but I really knew it takes time to learn this stuff. It takes a lot of repetition and learning. I mean, it's pretty technical when you get into different kind of blocking schemes. Because there was
1: a perception that you just kind of guys pin their ears back and you just let them go. Uh, you're, well, telling, that, you're telling well, me wasn't that and, that, that,
0: that probably was what pray way I described some of it. I think when, we were a team that had, a, a, you know, when, when Monty Kiffin was here we kind of fell into the same things he was doing because players knew it and we just went the same direction and then it got time when the one back offense came into series, I'm jumping ahead a few years but we kind of went into a little bit of the stuff that I, I think probably that Michigan was doing which is what they called an angle defense out of a 3-4 which we slanted and it would be your nose and your t- tackle and end would slant and he had different ways of slant and they didn't know which way because you have sometimes you' slant depending on the formations of the field sometimes to the sideline sometimes your call definite which way to go so there was a lot of little things and then you had kind of a pressure little small pressure package that went with it and you know we were good at it I mean we were successful we really had some good players and that's why we were good at it but then they got into the one back offense and
1: we're talking late '80s, yeah. Miami, Florida yeah. State here,
0: right? Yeah. We were playing so much speed. I mean, we were just not fast enough to keep up. I mean, it was speed. It was a, so. We went out and we recruited guys that our outside linebackers. We had a three-four-three, three, and we took two of the best defensive linemen, and put them down over the guards, and uh, basically took our outside backers, put their hand on the ground, and let them go. You know, and until we got the zone blitzes and stuff way later on in the package, uh, we they didn't do any dropping. They just came high yaka, and we had different alignments for them. So um, we didn't. Everybody knew what we lined up in. I mean, when I go to a clinic, they go, and "That's all you did." But then, when we decided we wanted to get more pressure on the passer, we felt like if we went to a four-three. We would actually have two defensive linemen, whereas in a, five, a 3 4, you have, in the old days, you had two tackles and a nose. Okay? Now the, the pros call those tackles the ends and outside backers. Right. That's how it goes. But. Because it,
1: because you're calling it a 3 4, uh, but it's sort of synonymous with 5 2,
0: right? Uh, three, yeah, 3 4 is a 5 2 defense. Right. In the old days, it's the old Oklahoma. Five-two right. defense, and uh, well, we were starting to see one back. Well, what happened is
1: you you'd face one, you'd face a two-back offense for eleven games of the season, then you go to the bowl game and you'd see yeah. a one-back. Well, we,
0: well, we well we play early. We started seeing Utah. We played them. And UCLA. They, yeah, and they were going. You know, they were throwing the ball more and going to one back, and they were getting so. The thing that we felt like is we're going to keep pressure on them from the ends, from the outside, no matter what, and we're going to learn to play the blocks by reading, by recognition when the ball snapped. What do you mean? Well, we recognize the blocking scheme. Like if you're an end and play went away from you, you'd just shuffle. You'd stay there. You'd look for the reverse, stuff like that, and look for the cutbacks and things like that. Uh, but again, if you saw the guard pulling, then you knew how, if he's is he pulling on the line of scrimmage or he's getting depth and pulling in the near back. What's he doing? Is he coming outside to hook you or is he coming inside out? You know to block you. So there was different things you could read on the move, and the good players got to learn to to do that. But most of the tackles couldn't handle our outside backers. I mean our guys were fast. And, uh, and those outside backers. I mean, it's like, you know, and we didn't recruit s- so much size as we did speed. We recruited a lot of guys that were strong safeties and running backs in high school, but were defensive players. And we didn't have, we had a one, one man switch. Like if we called a nickel or a dime defense, we called it dime, but we only really only switched one guy. That was our Sam Backer. Is that was usually the slowest of the backers. But one year, our Sam backer ran a um, uh, 10,400 meters. Ten, was it a 10,400? No, he ran a 10,400-yard dash, a 9,400-yard dash. And then he ran a 10, I don't know, he was really fast. Who was it? Jamal Williams. Yeah. And um, then EJ, Eric Johnson, ran a 10,600. In high school, out in Arizona, and he was our will linebacker. But those guys could all cover backs, so we didn't need to switch all these people around and have a dime guy come in in the secondary and all that. But we we did it later on. We did we put, we did put a defensive back in because it really got going where they're really spreading them out all over, and and then we did take our Sam backer out and put uh, a defensive back for him. But that was about the only substitution we did.
1: You were really small in those last 10 years. How did you stop the run?
0: Well, that's what we did first. And, you know, we got to a point, you know, the old saying, make them one dimensional. And that's what we worked for. You know, we played Miami one year, and uh, I think uh, they get... uh, They, they ran the ball t- once in the second half, and I think about three times in the first half and we just smoked them, you know. So they just said "The hell we just gotta throw the ball. And so our kids were just lining up and teeing off, you know. So, and, and we got to a point where we were actually faster than some of those teams, and a lot better athletes than a lot of people in the press thought. Because uh, when we went down and, um, uh, we played uh, Miami. In uh, we, I remember Lou Holtz telling me he didn't think we could win because we just didn't have the kind of athletes and the kind of speed that Miami had. And uh, you know Lee Corso, of course, he was there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he, <laughs> and uh, but Lee was always worried about, leery about Nebraska because uh, he had played us, and we, we beat him 31-17, to 17 and he and all his kids were coming back. He thought he was going to be good. So we stuck 62 on him down at Bloomington, and he gave up. He said, whatever you do, play Nebraska on the road, because then they can't use those threes and fours that will come in and knock the snot out of you, you know. So...
1: Well, that's the story of the Minnesota game in 1983. You didn't, you didn't have a big enough travel party to keep the score low, right? Yeah,
0: well, I mean, that's what happens in these kids. You put them in the game. They're not going to sit there. <laughs> they're going to try to show you what they can do. And I remember going up there, and uh, Kenny, Kenny um, Graber went to Minnesota. He was state heavyweight wrestling champion in Minnesota. And he went up and asked if he could walk on, and they said no. So he went down. His dad drove him down to Iowa, and they were going to make a circle and, you know, see what was up. Iowa said no. Well, he came to us, and he's sitting in front of me in the desk in the summertime. There's nobody around. <laughs> it's just me, and I looked at him and I, Jesus, this kid's a, I mean, he was wasn't really tall. He's probably six two, but he was, you know, pretty well built. <laughs> And quiet never said a word. His dad did most of the talking, and he said, "We can't understand it." Would you be interested in the one? I said, "You're darn right." Well, he started for two years, but I'm gonna tell you something. We played Minnesota. He was t- chasing their backs down from behind. I mean, he was wired, and, <laughs> and you know, and the they had a new defensive coordinator at Minnesota, and he wrote an article in the paper, which all our players had on the bus. He said, "They're gonna see defenses they've never seen before." we did see defenses we never saw before one time there was no corner lined up out there and <laughs> turner just took the ball and he threw it he threw it to um oh who the heck was it then it wasn't fryer, fryer. Was it? yeah irving he threw it to irving i mean it was like stupid Every, mean, it's like this is a street game or something you know it got to be kind of a but uh, I don't know whatever happened to the defensive coordinator after that. What they did is probably sent him home somewhere or something. I don't know. You were what people don't know about
1: you is you were an offensive line coach yeah. uh, for 15 years. Yeah,
0: I was. Well, I, I was always an offense. Even when I was in high school, I was more of an offensive line, defensive line coach. Because would you play at Colorado? I was a tight end in the. De- well, we were. We played both ways, so it was a defensive end. But we had a guy named Jerry Hildebrand who was about 225, 30 pounds. I was 195 to somewhere between 195 and 210, I mean, my my playing. And when the formation was one way, I was the tight end, and the formation was the other way, I was the split end. And I was also the punter. Well, Buck Nystrom was our our, uh, coach, our line coach, and Buck was... uh, Really a tough duty, I mean really, I mean he was a he was hard nosed you know and he he really put it to us pretty good and I always laughed. One day I asked him I said, Coach, what size shoe do you wear? He said nine and a half. I said, "Oh, would you take those two you got up my butt and take them out, yes, <laughs> please?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he was that kind of a guy. He was a you know great person. We're real fr- good friends. We go up and see him.
1: When did you meet Milt? You remember your first impressions of Milt?
0: Milt, yeah, he was a GA when I came here, and I mean, Milt was Milt and I were the, you know, the same same kind of people. Kind of, we we really, I mean, we just we best friends from the beginning. Oh, know. really? Yeah, and I just was—he was assistant to Clete Fisher all the time, and I kept worrying. I said, "Bill, are you gonna be okay? Is you're not gonna you're not gonna leave, are you?" Or some, you know, I mean, we got into those things, and and you know, it was—we got—we had a great relationship. We we go. One of our things is you know, Milt liked to drink beer, and um, you know, I drank some, but I I wasn't a big beer drinker like he was, and. Um, we'd go out to davy out here a little town davy pub davy tavern little farm town and play cards with the farmers out there and the kids their kids would be playing football you know for their schools out around there and stuff and we had all these used shoes you know, George, I mean, our, train, our equipment guys kept shoes, and our kids used them. You know, they'd go in, and they'd see a pair of shoes. they take them, they'd play in them, you know. They, so we, we ended up going out there and finding out the shoe, kids, oh, can you get us some shoes? Yeah, we can get you anything you want. I mean, <laughs> you know, and they, we were bringing bags of stuff out to them, you know, and they so they didn't have to spend any money. I mean, and they were just fired up like... We get to wear Nebraska cleats. Well, How about that? One day, that I went in there, and a the guy said that he's selling the tavern. Oh, I knew it wasn't going to be the same. So actually he sold it, and we never went back there. You know, and, and But it you was, guys hit it off. Oh, yeah. we. I mean, we'd work with each other. Mild would come, and I'd, I'd go in there and say, what do you think about this blitz or this some, um, you know, what do you think about blocking this and that? And that? We'd, we'd spend a lot of time talking to each other. He'd come in and, you know, and throw throw a defense up and usually i could tell even if it wasn't ours pretty much how they're going to shut it down you know
1: what's interesting is you got there right about the time where nebraska became offensive line university you know i mean yeah. you got there right when remington was young right Cooler
0: well the the way that the way that they work here is is was probably perfect for for doing what we did because we had two offensive line coaches and actually two defensive line coaches. And you can't coach the inside guys because the other guys will be just standing around yeah. the outside, the defensive ends. So Tony Samuel did that. I was with out here 17, 15, 17 years. I don't know how many Tony was here, but he was here a long time and he did a great job. I mean, we, he played here and then he was GA here and then he, You You did the inside guys. I did the inside guys, and then did the defense. So I had all the thugs. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, the guy. We took our biggest studs and put them inside, and just, you know, disrupt the world. (laughs)
1: Danny
0: Newton, Neil Smith. Yeah, yeah. We well, Neil. Yeah, Neil. When we were going in the three-four, Neil was was our yeah. yeah. But it's funny because the biggest thing I have and the question I don't like from people is, uh, Rob Stuckey, when did he play for you? What? All right. He's the best football player I ever coached. Really? Rob Stuckey was the kind of guy, he was, he didn't say anything. He could, you could show him one thing, he could do it like he did it all his life. And he's now the head of the Carlisle Group in Washington D.C. and that's saying
1: something for you to say. Well, to I mean, he, he best was a guy. You ever
0: coach. Well, I mean, he he and he was tough. He wasn't a pro player. He just was a guy that could. You didn't have to spend a lot of time work. I mean, he he just stand there and do everything. You get in the game, everything would be as best he could do it. But he did everything technically right. Lexington, yeah. Nebraska. Huh, Lexington? Well, Lexington oh Nebraska. yeah, I went up there to recruit him and his brother was already walked on here. He had ended up leaving here and going to Northwestern because of their school or business school or something or their whatever he was in. But um, so I went there and I drove down the street and I looked at, the, oh, there's there's the Stuckey house. And then I said, well, I looked at the, I couldn't find the address so I drove down the next house, I had Stuckey on the box there too. It had three in a row. In
1: those days, Nebraska got so many good players from in the state.
0: Terry Keneally, Loren Kaiser. Loren Lauren was a guy that everybody, well, everybody, but the staff turned down because he was a tight end. He played fullback and he played some linebacker. And he was, Mike Corrigan said he was too slow. Um, whoever was coaching linebackers at the time said he was, you know, he wasn't fast enough and, and I had recruited Johnny Mitchell, and Johnny ran a four or five, and uh, you know he's. And Ron Brown says, "Well, I want guys that can run like Johnny Mitchell, and this guy can't." Okay. But I, Tom said, I was late for that meeting, and I was just walking in, and they were just getting done, and they had just axed him. Loren Kaiser. Yeah. And I, Tom says, I want you to look at this film. I'm going. I'll look at it. Okay. And then the guy started getting up. He said, no, no, I said, everybody. I said, look at this again. All I knew is he was tougher than nails, but he's a point guard at 235 pounds. I remember that. And I said, I I turned and Tom sits right here. I turned and said, Tom, let's make a defensive lineman out of him. He turned around and said, really? And I said, yeah, we'll make, we can make a defensive lineman out of him. He'll get bigger. And, of course, everybody in the room is going like, well, you know, maybe. You know, the guys were saying, Corrigan said, you know what? If that's what you're going to do with him, I want him on the team. You know? It wasn't Corrigan. He was gone by then. Huh? No, yeah. I don't think he was gone. Yeah, it wasn't was Corgan. Yeah, it was Kaiser was in the 90s. You no, know, it was somebody, though, that said. Yeah. But anyway, they turned him down, and Tom said, you know, you're going to have to dra- drop one of these guys that we're recruiting out, you know other defensive linemen, you got to drop one of them. You know, we can't, we won't be able to offer him. So that's fine. You know, I mean, Loren <laughs> came here, he was 235. I think the last year when he played, when I was here, he was 305. And he was a starter, you know, and-
1: That's he, that's the gift though, here, is that you, you could develop guys. Though. Sure. I mean, it wasn't, they yeah, worked, That's the whole key it. to
0: our whole program, was we worked hard as, as we could on technique, and so
1: were you just better coaches or what
0: I don't know I had never been it come on you know know.
1: I don't know what do you think it was do you think it was strength and conditioning I think it
0: was our, our the way we ran the program I think it was the way we treated the kids I think it was Tom's honesty and all of our we were honest with what we did with them and I think they laid it on the line for us and I think they laid it on the line for their families and everything else and you know and i think that we were we were good coaches as far as knowing what's going on i mean knowing how to teach kids and you work together for yeah, that. i think I, I know that one thing if i would say myself i think i am a pretty good teacher hmm. and uh, you know and and i could i could tell when kids are having a tough time I, I tried to get to know as much as i could about each one of them family everything else so you know, and I tried to force them that if they had a problem, you know, if you come and tell me what it is, I'm not going to go tell anybody who it is. You know, let me know if you're having a problem and or things like that. I don't care. Tell me if your girlfriend walked on you or anything, just so I know why you're moping around or doing something like that.
1: You you, you were you had a temper that ran really really hot. Yeah. Uh. Half
0: of it was. You they were, didn't know sometimes if I was kidding or not.
1: You weren't kidding very often. I was kidding sometimes.
0: <laughs> they, they, they just got kinda... me.
1: But you you recognize that, it, that a defensive coordinator especially, it it paid to be a little bit crazy, right? Well,
0: the crazy is that, you know, that I push them. I mean, you know, that I it would demand things. A lot of times I got to a point where one guy is screwing up bad. Okay? I go in the huddle chew them all out. Get him, get him, you know. I mean, we got problems here. And guys would know who I'm talking about, but I wouldn't zero in on the kid, and they'd take care of it.
1: Paul Cook, a trainer, told me that the difference between you, Danny Knee was
0: crazy too. Huh? He's
1: he said he told me that Danny Knee was crazy. Okay? Danny Noonan was crazy. No, Danny Knee. Oh. Basketball coach. Danny Knee
0: okay. <clears throat> nee pissed me off so bad. I'm recruiting. Uh, uh, what the hell is the kid's name from Mount Carmel that went to Syracuse and got drafted in the first round by Philadelphia and played with him for years? McNabb. McNabb. Donovan yeah. McNabb. Yeah. He's, he's, Bargain is re- helping me recruit him so he can play basketball here too. Yeah. I bring him here and take him over to see Danny Nee. He walk down to the court walk right by him. He says, I don't want any guys playing football and playing basketball too. <laughs> Bargain was like I mean he's been in the kid's house. He would have come here. And he went to Syracuse cuz they said he could do it.
1: So um but but Cook told me that the difference between you and Danny, Danny would light a guy up and that was it. You would light a guy up and then you'd walk into the locker room and throw an arm around him. Well, and he I, said the difference is was yeah. was the critical.
0: Well, What's on the field is on the field, okay. There's no carryovers. There's no. You don't hold any grudges against anybody. I my philosophy was never leave the person with a negative, with negativity, all coming off the field. Really? Yeah. If you get in a kid, you know if you got into him hard, that you always find a way before he leaves that field that you know he just that he doesn't feel like it's, you know, so he doesn't walk out of there and say that dirty. Sin. You know what I'm saying? It, did so you follow that rule all the time? Yeah. yeah. I, do, I mean, I even talk about that at clinics. I said, whatever you do, don't you leave your kids leave the field with a negative feeling because I mean, you aren't going to win. Huh. You know, I mean, they got to like the game. And by, by doing that, you know, young kids are really impressionable when they're young. You don't know you can destroy kids. You can destroy them by calling them dumb all the time. You know, I used to have a deal with the pros. I was in charge of pro scouts. So you never say that a kid can't play, okay? So I had terminology that they understood, so would anybody, but I never used the words, this kid can't play. So when they'd come in, they'd say, well, what about John Brown? You'll be a hell of an alumni. <laughs> Man, how smart is this kid? He didn't need many reps. He's really he's smart. How smart is this guy?
1: He needs a lot of reps. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said you learned a lot from Tom.
0: Well, I learned a lot about you know a little bit. I you know I I never changed as a coach. Uh, but I mean, patience. A little bit, you know, myself. And I mean, I was, I was basically, you know, like I'd stay up all night nights and work at the office, and sometimes I got kicked out of there. Tom and kicked me out, and make me go home. But he was a he was a big influence on me. I mean, he was, he was a person that I really respect. I had a chance to leave here, I don't know how many times. I never sat down to count them. I had a chance to go in the NFL, I had a chance to go to other colleges. I wanted my kids to be from Lincoln, Nebraska. I've seen too many coaches kids that don't have, where do you, where are you from? Well, I, I was in I, I was in Lansing. It was my sophomore year and my junior year, we went to somewhere else and then my senior year, they got fired and we went somewhere else. And I, Debbie and I counted some guys the other day. We, she had, we were driving here. One guy had 18 jobs. So they, well, that's what my kids come back here to all their reunions, all their friends are here, and they can say they're from Lincoln, Nebraska. And that's what I wanted. And, and you know, I mean, I had Landry gonna throw some pretty good money on me and I, I told him, and then he gets fired anyway, so I would have been a short-term duty guy. You were gonna be a D-line coach? Yeah, he, he was fun to recruit with. I went in one house, and it's a long story, but the kid was a really a great running back. He ended up being awful. <laughs> the kid was from Michigan. He's a running back out of St. Louis. And I mean, you turned the film on you, are know, like, ooh. So anyway, the Michigan guys, we're coming in to talk to the kid, and the Michigan guys come out the door. <laughs> <laughs> he said to Tom, he says, hey, coach, I hope you have your bag of money. <laughs> so the father said, we didn't see the kid at first. The father's sitting in there. He said, you want to see his highlight film? Tom says, no, I've already seen it. I need to talk to him because we had somewhere else to go. I need to talk to him. And I'd like to, you know, he said he was going to meet us here. So that was the story. And, and as it ended up, the guy, you know, said, well, what's the deal? And Tom said, well, we're going to give you room, board, books, tuition, and fees, and fees uh, is we pay your lab stuff and pay for the this and that, and uh, you know that's a full NCAA scholarship. The guy says, "No, what 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 is the real deal?" And Tom goes, "That's it." He said, "Well, then you might you know basically in so many words told us we weren't going to get to talk to his son." Tom gets up and walks in the in the kitchen. The mother and the kid are standing in there. Tom tells him to come on out and sit down. And he talked, gave him a big speech, went on and did everything he was supposed to do. We got about five steps out the door. He says, I don't want you to ever call that kid again. And Missouri gave him a car and his dad a job. And he ended up in Missouri? His dad didn't have, his dad was a carpet layer and they got him a job somewhere. And, and the kid had a gold and black GTO. Missouri got him. Yeah, I know. The guy that got him is a thief. He didn't last long either. He ran around with four Super Bowl rings from the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, and everybody, oh, my God, you know. So it's, it's, it's you. He isn't coaching anymore either. You had some frustrating days
1: huh. uh, your first 15 years on the job. I mean, you know, you guys couldn't beat Oklahoma, and then you... Had had a hard time with Colorado for a few years.
0: Uh, yeah, but how'd you get through that? Just kept pounding. Just just kept working, recruiting hard. That's all you can do. Did you think it was going to turn around in in the early nineties? Because those were oh, I didn't know it would be like that. I mean, I you know we we didn't talk about. It conference championships. We could talk about national championships because you, if you win the national, you, beat, you won the conference so why talk about that? <laughs> you know, and I think we won quite a few conference championships and lost quite a few bowl games. We lost six or seven in a row and that had to do with I really believe the way we practiced. Hmm. Our kids never got a chance to sit down and we'd go to a bowl game and it'd be like you get up, you eat at 10 o'clock. You get up at 9:30. You have a meeting. You get up and eat at 10. Uh, you get taped, and we go leave there. You get, uh, or we have a team. We'd have a stat. Not a. We'd have a position meeting. Then we'd get on the bus, and um, practice was like at 1:30 or something. And
1: too many events.
0: Yeah, and then you go to event at night and you'd come home, they got to get dressed and go do something, and that, it weren't. So the next time, what we did was see, we had practice at like 7.30 in the morning and the kids had from about two o'clock on the day off. They could go to the beach, they could get, you know, and we just started winning. I mean, it made, you know, it wasn't like, well, with us, I said to Tom, somehow we got talking about our next life. Tom says, Well, I'm gonna come back as a coach's wife so I can enjoy all these bowl games. What do you think the key is
1: to turning it around here? I mean you've watched you've watched this thing just
0: I don't I don't. You know, I think we had we got a certain group of kids together and it and, and the they the, the other teams followed. I mean all of a sudden we're you know, I think when we lost down at Florida State and had field goal when the guy kicked a you know, we we lost. I got a letter that I'll show you. And you know, Bob, from Bobby Bob and said we beat them in every category there was, and they won. And they said, you know, though we lost uh, a field goal a year ago or something, and this year it was you. And you know, and but he said, I just want you to know that you don't feel bad because you beat us in every category, <laughs> you know, and we won the game because if we missed the field goal. So, but it's. You know, and I went down there. And Florida State used to call the defenses the same as ours. <laughs> I left their notebook down there. I left the notebook at Tennessee with Philip Fulmer. I said, Philip, just take the notebook. It was done. John Chavis, I used to go down with John. And, and Kevin Steele and John Chavis were roommates in college. Well, John's at Tennessee. So I used to go down there. They Philip Fulmer called me and said, Have You come down and talk to us. So I went down two years. And the last year I was there, Philip said I had my my notebook and we were looking and, and the coaches I said why don't you just take this notebook and keep it and do you know, look do what you want with it. This is your defense. Yeah. The whole, I gave him the whole your notebook. playbook. I gave him the whole playbook. <laughs> and Philip Phillip comes up to me, we're playing them in we're playing them in the bowl game. Ninety
1: seven or ninety nine? Not seven. The we national,
0: play, the, the Peyton Manning here Yeah, we played him, and I said, uh, "Well, that wasn't the national champion '97. That was him. That was, know, was it? Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Tom's remember. last game. But anyway, he he said, Charlie, I'm really sorry. You know, I feel bad that we had your notebook, and I looked at him and I said, "You know what? I don't care. I said, if you learn something out of it, great." But I said, there's a lot of stuff in there, and we can't run it all in one game. <laughs> so, okay, here, here's what happened. I don't think I ever got the notebook back, number one. I, I don't have it. I might have got it and left it somewhere or gave it to a high school coach or something. But he um, called me up and wanted me to come back. This is the third year now. And I said, well, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, he wanted me to come back a certain time. And I said, I had to, do, I had to talk to my wife, and we were going to go to the convention and do that kind of stuff. Well, I'll talk to you at the convention. So we, he, we were sitting at the convention talking, and he says, you know, can you come come back? I said, I want you to talk to our offense. <laughs> go on. <laughs> talk to your offense? Philip Fulmer
1: wants you to talk to his offense. Yeah. And you're still coaching at Nebraska? Yeah. Okay.
0: He wanted me to see how we broke them down and what things we thought that might be things you wanna keep in your offense. I think that he was gonna sort it out, the things that I, I never said, don't run this, but I said a few things. I said, you need to never stop running this thing, you know, and stuff like that. And he wanted to know how we broke them down and I showed him all of our stuff, how we broke, broke their sets down and their patterns and this, all this stuff. And you know, and I, you know, he said, oh, geez, you know. I said, do you want this stuff? He said, can I, yeah, can I? I said, yeah, just take it. I gave him a stack of stuff that thick. We had about two or three, one we gave the kids, one we had as coaches, one had all the formations, one down a distance, one in red zone, all kinds of. Things. So
1: basically the scouting report on how to beat Tennessee. Yeah, I would you say it it's kill. how
0: we do it for a bowl game because we have more time. See, we have more time to get ready so we can do more things. <laughs> so he went in and ran it off on the thing and you know. And I told him, I said, hey, why are you running it off? I said, just take this. He said, really? He said, yeah, just take this. I said, I've got copies at home. I mean, I did, you know, so... Hey, the,
1: ep- the epilogue to that story is your last game of your career, you saw him again. Huh? You played him again, your last game of your career.
0: Yeah, well, I, what's the linebacker's name? Ford? Ford? He's a pro first round draft choice for Tennessee. I was standing on the sideline at the end of the game. We're winning, and I was standing on the sideline, and he says, Coach, he said, hand, hand, he was right there. He just tackled somebody. He said, Coach, can I have that towel? Throw me that towel. So he threw him the towel. He started waving. He says, We're done. He said, We give up. <laughs> he starts waving the flag to serious? our bench. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said, We give up. That's it. We're, we're beat. It was at the end of the game. But
1: Was, the, was it a sweet way to go out?
0: Nobody knew I was retiring. I told the players. I told Mike Brown and Ralph Brown.
1: Those were the only two guys you told?
0: Yeah. And I assume that they probably went and told other people, you know. But what happened was, is the game's over. We're we're out in Tempe. There's two things that happened. My first full-time coaching job was in that stadium with Frank Cush. And we beat for San Jose. My last job in that stadium was Tennessee. And we, I won the last one, so I made the full circle all the way around from the first day to the last game, which was, to me, meant a lot.
1: Thanks for listening to Where I Come From. You can access our entire catalog of episodes at omaha.com slash podcasts, or your favorite podcast app, We encourage you to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks to Bird Creek for the music. We'll see you next week.